0: It's a little alien stir fry between new bunk mates here on Viger. Please, a heinous trip at Warp 5. My
1: name is Joseph. And I also shake my little tush on the catwalk. I'm your co-host, Peter. It's right said Fred too much of a... <laughs> I, I lose people too much on that one. I don't That's think so. That's all I could think about during think so. this episode.
0: Are you too sexy for your shirt? Are uh, you so sexy it hurts?
1: <laughs> I don't think we got to worry about any Zoomers listening to us. Review fucking Enterprise. And I don't think you're going to have to worry about any Zoomers listening to you on your other show. No, definitely not. Unless you're quite a nerd. But
0: if you are somebody that has an interest in American politics in particular, I do have another show that has been launched and has been around for a few weeks as of the recording of this particular podcast. As you may have picked up through... Uh, Hence, through the years, my primary career and life path has been uh, in U.S. politics one way or another, and uh, I've always wanted to do a political show. I I fortunately found a great co-host for that show, somebody I have great conversations with already, and we decided to start recording them. So it's called Replacement Level Morality. Um, we, We strive to be a very historically literate podcast talking about political topics and context. Of both uh, its place in the world as well as its place in history, and uh, if that sort of thing interests you, some some very real politic, uh, hardcore, uh, amoral analysis of world events and political offenses. Yeah, like I want that. Put it in my veins. Well, replacement level morality. It's on Spotify. It's on Apple Podcasts. You can find it anywhere where you listen to your shows, and we'd love to have you. And that is the only only time you'll ever hear about it on this show, because this is not a political show.
1: Yes, here here's what happened. If you go back to Skin of Evil, the civilization that transcended, they took all of their evil, black, hate and whatnot, and they shed it off, and they, they left it behind as a black pool. It killed Tasha Yar. It did. That's Joe's political podcast. We've squeezed <laughs> all the politics for four years out. And it has become Joe's other podcast and where so many other Trek uh, podcasts get political. We, we endeavored to never do that here yeah. because we know we have a mixed audience and we don't want to do that to you. So and- Joe has made skin of evil and it's called replacement level morality. Before we get into it, speaking of nerd shit. I'm going to say for the good of the audience, and what I really mean is myself, what the fuck is going on with Magic the Gathering and like Wall Street right now?
0: Oh my god. So glad you asked. You want to talk about something that has combined my interests. <laughs> it is uh, the stock market and investment finance and Magic the Gathering. If only, <laughs> if only this was caused by someone's political meltdown, it would have been the trifecta. A political meltdown related to Star Trek. Like then it would just be like a then the simulation has obviously gone haywire. Mm. And it's and I'm seeing I'm seeing good. the code behind in the matrix. So uh, what happened is that Bank of America, which, like a lot of major financial institutions, rates stocks based on if they should or should not be purchased or held uh, by people in their portfolios. Took Hasbro, the parent company that owns Wizards of the Coast that produces Magic the Gathering, and, and reduced them from a buy rating to an underperforms, which is essentially, you should probably think about selling the stock as soon as possible, because it at its current price, it's not worth that. When did which is a Hasbro- big deal.
1: <clears throat> did Hasbro buy Wizards of the Coast, or did Hasbro buy Magic from Wizards? They bought Wizards of the Coast. They did that back in, like, 2002. Like, it was almost 20 years ago that they bought them. I when think. did Hasbro get it from Garfield
0: Games? Well, Wizards of the Coast always owned Magic the Gathering. Garfield really? Games. Garfield Games was just basically Richard Garfield's, like, personal, like, LLC for all the business he does. I didn't He never know that. owned Magic personally. Hmm. Hmm. And, um, so... Dr. Garfield is long since removed from magic actively for the most part. He does, he does uh, sometimes get hired as a hired gun developer and those tend to be the better sets, by the way, Hasbro has really been trying to mine deep on magic specifically for profit lately because their legacy business has fallen apart. I mean, they're used to selling pony toys to children, you know, like that's, that's really where they're at. You know, they're, their imprint for for boys was nerf. You know, like Nerf that's is where, doing
1: well, it would seem, but not well enough.
0: The, these are the things they're used to selling. And they owned Wizards of the Coast and it was profitable, but it's also like the piece of their business they always least understood. And you can kind of tell because they just let them do whatever they wanted. It's like whatever, these weird nerds. Because it's a small C kind of conservative company. Anyway, um it the market started to notice that they've really been over trying to monetize magic and In a way that's driving the volume down, but raising the margins, which is never good. So they're making more money on less sales right now by by what they're selling. But that means there's less people buying the product, right? And that becomes an accumulating problem because you have fewer and fewer whales that you can really take advantage of. Hmm. And that pattern finally broke through into normie space in... Some analyst at BOA was like running the numbers of of behind their last quarterly report, which showed how far their volume of sales has dipped on Magic the Gathering, and that their margin that they've managed it is basically, you know, putting a bandaid over cancer,
1: like you're not actually solving the problem. I, I don't. So are they reprinting like old valuable cards to try and squeeze stuff out of Are they making like? cards that you can't play in normal games as like special collections.
0: They've done literally both of those things, Peter, and in ways that have boggled the mind. They started marketing agreements with other IPs, so there's a literally a Magic the Gathering Warhammer 40K cards. You can wrap your mind around that. And they also for the 30th anniversary of the game reprinted the beta set but with different backs.
1: So they're not classified. What?
0: Yeah. So they're like, they got around the reserve list thing by putting them with like a special 30th anniversary back to them, but to buy them, but to buy these cards, it's four boosters for a thousand dollars. What? Yes. These are the fucking crazy decisions they've been making. It's driving people away from buying new product. I haven't bought a significant amount of new product in probably a year. And I, I play regularly. (laughs) I do not buy Magic the Gathering product from Wizards of the Coast. So that is something that has become an issue. So man, you want to talk about we're hitting everything. We got I got a politics <laughs> podcast. We're talking about we're talking about BOA stock ratings of, of a toy company that owns well, owns a card game. Speaking of
1: driving people away before we <laughs> Oh, bro, I kind of like this episode. I think it was. Of course you do. I'm talking about all your sweet spots. I I was just curious. and It it was very crazy for me to see uh, magic come up in any. On CNBC or something (laughs) like, what the fuck is this? Well, based on your description. And I mean, I haven't touched magic in a long time. uh, Yeah, that is all the wrong fucking moves to make. Yes. Let's talk about some right moves. Let's talk about season two, episode 12, the catwalk. Joe, this is coming to us, popping off in December 18th, 2002 is the first air date written by Mike Sussman and Phyllis Strong. There's two names I recognize and I want to say those are Voyager names, right? I do believe they are primarily. Phyllis
0: Strong uh, did four episodes of Voyager, Uh, Body and Soul, which we liked, Prophecy, Author, Author, Renaissance Man, so a lot of season doctor heavy stuff doctor heavy stuff season seven stuff and mike sussman did meld the swarm boo and the haunting of deck 12 that is with mm. shocky the Does. lost crew member yes unimatrix zero one, two. <clears throat> body and soul shattered <laughs> so that's a good one mm. repentance prophecy author author renaissance man so co-writes with phil strong quite a, a bit lot. Yeah. yeah.
1: Directed by Mike Viger who brought us uh, many a Voyager episode. And this is exactly what I needed to see out of Enterprise to drag my interest level out of the fucking dumpster. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely been a rough season two.
1: It's funny. Really because bad. Vanishing point. Uh, y- You had the episode before that you had made it seem as though vanishing point was going to be good. And I think by the end of vanishing point, like we both agreed that it was just the weakest possible entry of what that could have been. Uh, I think we should have named that episode vanishing promise or vanishing potential because of the failure to deliver. You weren't exactly glowing about this one at the end of our last episode, but I, this I
0: barely remembered it to be honest. I I remembered that they were on the catwalk and they were stuck. That's really
1: all I remembered about it. And I think outside of any sort of Enterprise context, there's nothing especially great about this. This isn't, you know, one of the best episodes of Star Trek I've ever seen. But this is certainly probably the best episode of Star Trek this season of Enterprise. It's like a 16-year-old playing against
0: 10-year-olds in basketball. It's not (laughs) that he's necessarily good, but against what he's, uh, as competition, he's fucking Wilt Chamberlain.
1: You
0: (laughs) know, just crushing.
1: So we're gonna start this episode off in the shuttle bay, where I'm forced to ask myself a question because this is a pretty good sweeping shot of the the shuttle bay. And we see I think it's Archer and Trip, maybe, and they're walking up in the catwalks and going down into what we have often said is a really cool feature on these shuttles, and it's you enter in through a top hatch, but then it keeps panning down more, and it reminds you, yeah, there's There's side doors, and the doors are open both places, and I'm like, why in the fuck would you ever use the top-load hatch?
0: (laughs) It seems like so much more work.
1: On this shuttle pod, you can get down there, and there's just side doors open. They're getting in, and it's a really good look at the shuttle pod set-piece prop as a whole, and you're like, 70% of this vehicle is movable door structure. That seems like a really bad design flaw for something those One of those seals goes bad and you're in some real trouble. <laughs> three separate, like the shuttle pods are basically Honda Civic Hatchbacks. <laughs> Very true.
0: <Three> Actually, doors. <laughs> they're just as roomy too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I will say overall this episode also has maybe the best CGI we've seen out of Enterprise so far.
1: Holy shit.
0: It's, it was markedly better striking yeah and i'm a fan of the first episode you were like whatever it's fine this surpasses that easily the detail that you get to see on the nx01 as it just makes turns and and over the course of the episode is like damn this is
1: pretty this is really good this is high res to be fair i saw the first episode of this right hot on the tails of us watching last episode of voyager and at that point that company knew what it was doing they were familiar with the voyager model the design language blah blah blah, blah. it was a, a real balls out special effects super fest right the Borg right. and tubes and all that other sh- so them coming into a fresh property it didn't really seem like that big of a deal i'm sure if we went back and re-watched episode one uh broken bow it would really stand out as great because the recent stuff's been so trashy. But yeah, like normally I do my notes and stuff uh, during the special effects exterior shots and shit because it's so lame. It was so good in this one that I I was actually watching it fly around in the nebula and do cool shit. It especially looked cool flying dark against that well-lit, um, was it Neutrino Storm background? Yeah,
0: absolutely. Something about that combination just made everything pop.
1: I don't know why. So they're loading up the shuttlecraft because they found Planet Fun. Yeah, they're gonna
0: they're gonna go down and they're gonna go to a, a super Grand Canyon where they're gonna do whitewater rafting after they're done doing
1: their science jobs. Not only is this a really great M-class planet, it's also not surrounded by invisible landmines and slightly polite Romulan Centurion uh, guards. I mean, they've had such a rough
0: time of it. Every planet <laughs> they run into has got like. Cancer ridden people in Mr. Rogers sweaters that they're going to allow it to die. They're, they have hallucinogen drugs in the yeah. atmosphere. Feature slugs that want to have sex with the captain
1: for some reason. Uh, lightning storms so bad that it necessitates you to use transporters for the first time all season. But this time it's going to be a
0: good time. And suddenly there's a call from the bridge. There's an alien vessel that's actually asking to talk to Enterprise, a rarity. And Archer is like, holy shit. (laughs) Someone wants to talk. Put them right down in here. And that is when they are greeted by three dudes who are like, hey, there is a space bad weather storm coming this way. You need to get the fuck out of here. Can we come on board? You need to go to Warp 7 and outrun this thing as soon as possible. And they're like, uh... Uh, our hoop, do you only go warp five?
1: So, uh, Oh, Archer seems real self-conscious when he has to admit that they can only go warp five. Yeah. These aliens are like, let us on. We got to talk immediately. he's like, well, about what? And like, well, about the evil storm of death and destruction following us. Well, we don't see anything. Well, you will. We got to get out of here. You got to save us. Trust us. And the whole time this guy's talking, <clears throat> I want to say this is the first time we've ever seen an alien with a greasy ponytail. Yes.
0: Yes. That, that, by the way, is a TV thing. They don't let people, men with ponytails on television, or at least they didn't in this era. Why? So I don't know why, but there's somebody I knew from our LARP days that was an extra uh, on an episode of The West Wing. Okay. And he was cast as an episode, as an extra episode of the West Wing because he himself is Palestinian and he was, you know, there's not a lot of like Palestinian actors available in the DC area apparently. And he was able to be cast as a consequence of him looking the way that they were hoping to look. And he was able to keep his, he was told like, you're going to have to shave that you're going to, we don't, that's not allowed on television. There's it's no, said, pony but tails I'm a
1: on We love our ponytails.
0: Exactly, exactly. But they let him keep it because they were, because he insisted, I'm not shaving it off. That's not happening. And eventually, they're all fine. We we need you bad enough. Uh, so he was he was the defense minister of Palestine or something. You had no lines. He are just in the background. You just you know look stern. Hmm. Um. So yeah, I don't know why this
1: one got through, but in this era there were no ponytails. So there's a uh, the leader guy which is ponytail, but then one of his backup dudes instantly. I'm like holy shit! That's Ed Norton's boss from Fight Club. Is that who that is? Fuck yeah, that's who it is. I love Fight Club. I love the shit out of Fight Club, and that's crazy too because this is 2002. Fight Club was what 99, maybe 2000. Yeah, somewhere around there. 98, so this to guy 2000. Was just in a big fucking David Fincher movie, and now he's all of a sudden like backup goon and the. But he's in one. He's in one scene of a David Fincher movie. He's like, in multiple scenes. Uh. He also gets to witness Ed Norton beating the shit out of himself, which is one of the the marquee scenes of the entire movie. So uh, that's a good point. Um, I was sad he did not have more to do in this, but they're like, yeah, there is a neutrino storm coming, which courtesy of memory alpha. Uh, we did encounter neutrino storms before it was what the um, fair. Oh, God. <laughs> fair haven yeah
0: <laughs> they've encountered them before but at what price
1: yeah uh so that's kind of interesting to think about though like we 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 know what if we should know i didn't know at the time but in the 24th century they can weather it it's still no joke though right like yeah that required uh voyager to subject itself to the worst holodeck adventure of all time <laughs> Back but the, in the old Enterprise, yield old Starfleet. You had to hide in the nacelles. You know,
0: the dignity was preserved, uh, you know, perhaps more so in the nacelles than having you go to Fairhaven. But they come aboard, they talk about it, and this is what they work out is this storm, the crew will not survive the radiation. The ship I don't cannot have, even survive. The ship they say they establish early on they think they can make the ship survive. But it's the people. And they sp- end up centering on a plan of having everyone in the nacelle because it has a special kind of metal specifically for radiation absorption that is around it, which kind of makes sense with the internal logic of a, of a warp engine.
1: Absolutely. And it, it's the little details, and I don't know if this is Phyllis Strong and Mike Sussman. That's all I need. Some fucking throwaway Absolutely. line, right? Yeah. There's, first I identify in Flock says, well sickbay might hold up the bestest i've got a little bit of shielding in there i, I think we might be able to make it through but uh, archer's like we can't fit what 83 or 86 83 we can't fit 83 crew members in. however there is a continuity error at this point like if sickbay could have survived it then why do you have to move all of his animals out
0: yeah i don't think they address that <laughs> they mentioned that sickbay can make it and then they act like sickbay can't hold his slugs or whatever; that they would be too sensitive to the radiation. They don't I, have like a line in there that's like, oh, you know, they're they have to be there because they wouldn't even survive the small amount of radiation them to get through. Or there's no bridge between that statement and the kind of B- c plot that
1: is floxes. I like the quick bridge math where they're like, oh no, the the, n- the cell uh catwalks those might work and then Flox is like well how thick is the unobtainium there and they're like oh three per microns or whatever just Flocks pulling the space math out of his ass like yeah that'll survive the storm sure everybody's like yeah cool
0: <laughs> well we know Flox is very casual about life you know he's a little bit more laissez-faire like yeah we might survive maybe we don't <laughs> <laughs> like it's kind of his attitude
1: So uh, they got four hours to prep for this, and they're going to be accommodating their new uh, Fight Club insurance agents. And it's time to get uh, cracking with a a montage. We have what, in in honor of
0: my other show, we have what I would call above replacement level Mayweather in this episode. Which, you know, we're, we're always on the lookout for. Is Mayweather something that is adding or subtracting to this and I feel like in this episode, they they give you the best kind of pieces of Mayweather, where he's he's with uh, the the part of the montage trying to get the area ready with Tucker, where he, where Tucker asks like, "Oh, I, I bet you've been through one of these before," and he tells like this horrifying story about how they were locked away in one chamber for months, and the power and gravity went out, and they all thought that he they were going to die in said the cold. They space. were in
1: the ship's core. Yeah. The ship's core and the lab that made me think of uh, what was murder hologram that tried one of the murder holograms that tried to kill Balan, it squeezed her heart. And then uh, not
0: the first one, the second one.
1: (laughs) Yeah, the, the hologram that was a beast of burden that had to live in the ship's reactor, like scooping radioactive waste and throwing it in the trash or whatever. Right. Like, right makes sense the reactors got bad stuff in it so it's got really good shielding and then thinking of mayweather having to be in there with his family for six weeks that was an amazing story i thought he delivered it well and it's also a good reason why mayweather comes off as a little punch drunk a little silly sometimes it's like oh this guy's got severe radiation poisoning that sometimes rears its head like well, they, maybe they it cure- was gonna. It wasn't a transporter accident that made him this way. It was uh, living in a fucking nuclear reactor for six weeks. You, you listen, medical science and the 22nd century is actually
0: pretty advanced. They were able to cure the cancer that he had, but they could not fix the damage to his personality. That is That is what happened, is that his body was made
1: whole, but the price that he paid was that he is a plank of wood. There's a lot of good stuff going on, especially in the beginning of this episode. I really yeah. like the tone, the the sense of urgency, the sense of looming dread. The reminder that they need a toilet. That was and that's its own separate thing. I'm just saying the the very often in Enterprise specifically whatever the bad thing is, I don't feel like it really carries any weight. You know the crew is going to survive. It's not a big deal and there's going to be some silly Scheme they're going to come up with to survive. But like this storm legit feels like some fucking bad news. Yeah. Uh, So kudos to V'ger or whoever was behind them being able to accomplish this. And then, yeah, we get to see a new set piece, which are the nacelle catwalks. What I thought was interesting about this first and foremost is even though these nacelles are like at an angle and I figured it'd be like an incline. I remember from original series and they even kind of show it in strange new worlds, like the enterprise uh, a it's like a ladder. They climb to get up to warp nacelles. This, it seems like a straight line, but I guess if you can play with gravity, there's no reason to put any of that on an incline, right? It's, it's always going to feel like it's a straight line because your, your sense of gravity changes sure. as you're through the ship. So, so I thought that was cool and exactly what you said. And this was my complaint about what was a fucking terrible episode we just watched oh precious cargo <laughs> they're stuck in this escape pod for over a day like where are you putting the poops at and that's that's what the very asked.
0: first one of the very first plot lines here is is make sure there's a toilet
1: what do we do with well, the poo poo uh
0: they emphasize the power of the storm i think in a clever way which is archer says to, to paul because paul like shared a story about how it severely damaged a ship before a vulcan ship so it's you know serious Archer quietly confronts her. He's like, "Yeah, you didn't mention that everyone on that ship died. <laughs> you know, with your story, you merely said it was severely damaged." To which, you know, like to Paul's, like, oh, "I must have just uh, remembered it incorrectly." You know, Paul trying to cover up lying to to comfort her crewmates.
1: To Paul is becoming quite the liar. She lies. It feels like every other episode at this point. Um, it's not a lie. It's an omission as Spock would say, maybe Spock's half human. So, I mean, it's... and that ties into kind of a, a double criticism or observation, I should say at this point. So there's going to be a scene between flocks and uh, to Paul, where to goes to check in on him Again, you only got four hours to prep this stuff. He's got all of his animals and she's like, yeah, you're behind schedule. And he's like, well, you're only giving me two thirds of the room I need for all this stuff that you've allotted me. Um, and she's like, well, make your animals share cages. And he's like, they're going to eat each other. And then Flocks gets, I would say, emotional in his own, not even emotional in his own way. He gets emotional uh, and says, I'm not used to having to basically, I forget what the phrasing is. I'm, I'm not
0: used to making emotional appeals. Uh,
1: but, you know, please give me a room. And instantly in my head, I'm like, okay, well, this conflicts a couple things. A, it shows that he's got a bond with these animals, which we've already been told the Noblians don't have because of that awful Night and Sick Bay episode with uh, the conversations regarding Archer's relationship with Porthos, and then even jumping back into fucking Dear Doctor, where you know he reinforced that they don't maintain these emotional connections, and also he's okay with shit dying because that's the way that things happen. Then this motherfucker shows more concern about some goddamn snakes and reptiles dying than he did about that entire planet of people he condemned to space aids (laughs) so where does your fucking sense of sometimes shit happens and you know that's just nature's course and sometimes you get caught in a fucking it used to be against you never letting go of Dear
0: Doctor, but I'm starting, it's starting to grow on me.
1: That I've let, let many go. things go, but I'm just saying, at this point, it really stood out as like, this does not seem like a flocks thing to be happening right now. And then almost equally disappointing is the fact that uh, Paul is just kind of like won over by his plea. It's like, okay, fine, you can have more space. And I was like, it's been a while since Paul's really been a bitch. Like, she was kind of bitchy in vanishing point but that was just hoshi's hallucination
0: right it's hoshi's version of her which makes sense from hoshi's perspective because you know their relationship has been contentious they did a whole episode about it yeah they've also you know,
1: fixed it like three times she's right H- it's Bolana disease it, that's exactly what i was gonna say they're loopy they're getting they're getting they've got a loop uh but i think this would have been a great point for her to be a ball buster and say if you can't pick i'm gonna pick for you
0: or or at least offer. You know, like if if emotional attachment is confining your decision making skills, I can make the selections for you. So not like being a bitch, but just being like not emotional. Mm-hmm. Like offering. Like genuine offer. Like,
1: oh, if it's difficult, I can take care of it for you. Or say like I've already prepared a list of you know, yes, I know, and I found these animals to actually be uh, the most expendable. Um it makes me question at this point. The degree that she has warmed up, if it's intentional or if it's just something in the executive team saying like, yes, she's a robot lady, but she she will become a warm human more frequently than not. Whereas I think seven and nine would have stuck to her guns and been like that all the stuff I just talked about seven and nine would have stuck to that. Like they're warming and they're softening the edges onto Paul at an exponential rate. There's going to be more story reason as to
0: why this has taken place to be perfectly blunt with you, which make it's easy for me to say it's intentional because I know that there's episodes specifically about what you're talking about, but to the credit of the show, and this is kind of where it, it's quality shines through, even in these crap moments, these are the things they're good at is you're noticing that Apollo is becoming softer, not necessarily emotional, but emotionally unvulcan. Unvulcan. Well, there. It won't be long before there's an episode about exactly what you've noticed. When the show finally understands that that it's its strong point, that's when it gets good. When it's like, oh, this is what works. All that. This is what we've been missing all along. And they. That is what they develop through the last two seasons, and why those two seasons are so well regarded. Uh, but right now they're too busy doing uh, fucking nonsense like a night and sick bay, so you know
1: so they're bringing the uh ponytail sleaze bags up in the nacelles and it's very clear very quickly that these guys are not what they seem uh yeah, they, they pitch amongst themselves about their cover story <laughs> they say oh we were stellar cartographers and you know we're not ready for this and they're like oh great we well, <laughs> yeah we, we were actually looking, <laughs> we were looking for some space maps like how fortuitous that you would come to us and you are exactly the guys we need. And then Archer walks away and uh, not Ed Norton's boss goes, Jesus fucking Christ, dude. I don't know anything about star charge. You're like, shut the fuck up. So you're like, all right. And instantly, and I think that's the strongest part of this. No, one of the stronger parts of this episode is they throw a great red herring out there that now you're assuming that these guys are going to be the bad guys that these guys are going to be causing nonsense. And I think it's a great, Misdirectional uh, plot they put into play here. Um, they about- engage in a lot of other suspicious activity
0: too. It's not just this intro. Like as the episode continues on, before you really get to like conflict, they are chanting stuff behind a, behind a curtain. <laughs> like they're like doing the Kali Ma ritual back there.
1: They are you frying know. in a pan what appears to be a face hugger. Yeah, they're like making their own food and creating like smoke and all this other stuff.
0: They complain all the time. It's like
1: they only sleep one day a week. So the rest of the time they're up like bothering. uh, And they got trip stationed right against these guys. Again, I really like the set. It's like the main catwalk and then it's all these hobo camps off to the side uh, partitioned off by blankets and other real low tech shit. You're walking through a little Hooverville of Enterprise, right? while they're still in this, we're packing things up phase. They cut over to Archer, who's packing up his bag and he's going to see the Neutronic storm out the window, which looks fucking cool. And he's going to have a little scene there, but I'm watching him pack his bag and I see, Oh cool. Maybe he's got the water polo bag out. That was like a neat Easter egg before. And I felt good. Cause I remember that he liked water polo little did I know they're going to beat me over the head with that fucking iPad scene. <laughs> But he doesn't have the water polo bag. He's got what on my 4K TV down in my basement, my super high def thing that just really lights everything up. I'm like, well, holy shit, that's a fucking Nike logo on his duffel bag. And I pause the TV and I take a picture and I post it up in the trauma support group. Quick side note, I fucking hate Facebook. (laughs) It's been a while since I've actually like looked at Facebook, but at this point, like I I go down and I scroll and there's so little genuine content on my feed. Like people talking about their day. It's either shitty meme, like, like no memes that make me laugh. Uh, goofy groups. I'm in minus trauma support group, which actually, you know, I'm interested in. It's like bullshit tertiary stuff or it's just fucking pure ads. Like the place is basically a fucking ghost town. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I know this is a bit of
0: an unscheduled turnoff,
1: but yeah, uh, Facebook, somewhere around
0: what, 2016, 2017, I think, it made this turn into being way too ad driven and
1: way too page driven. So, hiding just ex- unique content and, and just the stuff that's left over at this point. Like, normally I go in there, I like go to the groups I care about or whatever, but like, yeah, just scroll my feed. I was like, no fucking wonder everybody bailed on this shit. Yeah. Uh, so as I posted that up there, and I was like, oh, look at me pat on my back. You know, I saw this thing that was just them being sloppy that this Nike bag with the logo, because even if I like what are these 720 episodes, I don't think they're 1080p. Most people didn't have high def TVs back there. Correct. It's hard enough to see on my super high def TV. You can see the picture I took. I wouldn't have thought in a million years that that was an intentional product placement. But here it says. This episode is the first episode of Star Trek, which featured product placement—the Nike Incorporated logo. It's the swoop on Captain Archer's water polo bag. What the fuck? What? Why they say product placement? Do they have a source for the the idea that they have
0: been paid for this? Because I wonder if this was still just a mistake, and they they decided to call it. No, there's not a footnote placement. on here. Okay, I mean, so I, I'm else- going to call that. I'm going to call the little sus. It's a little suspect because I I firmly believe that it's far more likely to have been because of how difficult the logo is to see uh, and would have been impossible on standard standard uh, def screens, which would have been the norm. Then I think that this was just they got a bag out of props and they didn't darken the logo enough, you know, and it
1: still it still had the logo on it. Product placement was actually a clickable link in memory alpha. It says other real products featured in Star Trek was Pyrex, which was Elementary Deer Data, Dom Perion and Generations, Nike Incorporated, which was in Catwalk. And they're also citing. What the fuck is Su- the rock episode? Sunsunake? Yeah. I don't remember Nike logo being visible in anything in that.
0: The, the bottle of Dom. Like I could see that. I could see that as actual product placement. That was for a movie. So sure. I was probably worth enough money to do it. But this like this isn't product placement. This this they they were trying to conceal the product. There was a, they they had already blacked out the logo. You barely see
1: it. Well, I saw it and we just spent the past five minutes talking about Nike. So good job, Nike account guy from two thousand and two. <laughs> you really penetrated the demographic. The days
0: begin on the catwalk. That they're you know,
1: they're they're playing cards. Uh,
0: Archer has a conversation with Hoshi where she's like whitening her teeth. And now that we have, ca- we have officially accepted the Hoshi Archer used to be a couple canon, I accept it. Yes. These, the conversations that they have are much more interesting when you interpret them through that lens. Cause she's like being a little like sassy. Like, can't you just order the storm to go away? <laughs> Like, Sort of like, who the fuck else on this boat would say something like that to Archer? Like, <laughs> oh, 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 yeah.
1: What if Archer just like, replied? <laughs> only your ex girlfriend
0: like, like, could say that.
1: What if Archer said, that's the stupidest fucking thing you've ever said? What, <laughs> why would you? <laughs> you look like a fucking asshole saying that. <laughs> it's like her only scene in the episode is like, hey, can you make, can you order this storm to go away? Um, yeah, and it's interesting the setup they have here because, yeah, they're in the storm. They've taken some side junction closet and turned it into the makeshift bridge. I really liked, especially after what happened in. Uh, what was the everybody goes crazy episode? Singularity. Uh, trip goes, Captain, you want to try out your new chair? It's a fucking bucket upside down <laughs> with a net over it. The net is such a nice touch. Like, you know, so it doesn't slide around. We don't we don't want
0: your butt to chafe in one spot on this bucket. We want multiple chafe locations. Spread yeah. it out. Spread it out. That way you can that way it will go away faster.
1: Mayweather's control panel to fly the fucking ship effectively looks like he's trying to hotwire an ATM and there's just fiber optic cable. It all looks so like Rushed and, and and shitty and low grade. It's like he's trying to play Wing Commander 3 on
0: a 16-inch CRT. <laughs>
1: he's got his, like little. Joystick. It's like he's trying to play uh Red Dead Redemption 2 on a TI-85 graphing calculator. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's good. It's good.
1: I'm I'm wondering about this time too. Like, if this if this Neutronic storm is blowing through, does that mean that everything on that M class Planet Awesome just died? <laughs>
0: They're not clear about the impact of these storms on planets either time they've ever shown up, so well, maybe the the electromagnetic uh you know shield whatever the the thing that that protects planets from
1: radiation storms will fend it off, you know some sort of pseudoscience techno babble. I assume not otherwise they'd be like, well, let's just get everybody down to the planet's surface real quick so r i p super grand Canyon planet, I guess. Cross that one off the uh, list to to rival Ryza's vacation potentials.
0: Well, it's still there, but by the time they get back, the Romulans have shown up with the mines. <laughs> with As the invisible
1: with the invisible mines.
0: The much better ones, thanks to thanks to Archer and Fred showing them how DR design. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, so- along
1: with everybody else on their, their casual uh sesame street of everybody living up each other's ass, you also have Porthos in the mix. Hanging out on the bridge, effectively. I mean, there's... As true as Hoshi and Archer being past boyfriend and girlfriend, I must believe that this dog is just fucking heavily medicated 24-7. That or part (laughs) of the eugenics wars... That are part of the eugenics wars with some real heavy genetic engineering into dog DNA to make beagles not just bark and make everybody want to kill them constantly. This beagle
0: is so well genetically engineered that when Archer calls for everyone to brace for impact while they're navigating into the storm, his dog goes and braces for impact. <laughs> like, he, they do a shot where he's like, all the humans are grabbing onto things, and he like goes behind a wall to brace himself.
1: <laughs> like,
0: bro, you made like the genius dog from Cowboy Bebop. You made I. Yeah, think yeah.
1: <laughs> like, that's
0: what's going on.
1: Yeah. Um, who's this? uh, Who's Ensign Sixteen Year Old over there asking <laughs> him for fucking <laughs> Cross- crossword? <laughs>
0: So she was apparently on the high school program. This yeah, is- did you
1: get a permission slip from your parents that you could go on a fucking five year deep space mission where uh, all sorts of bad stuff is frequently going to happen to this exploratory crew? You see, are you tall enough to be on the ship, ma'am? It's like they had to carry one minor with them because
0: the, Vul- <laughs> the Vulcans warned them of like this piece of space where, where like the judgment of the hellhammer will come down if you don't mm-hmm. have someone who's not yet reached the age of majority. So they just they they're telling her like, "Ah, oh, we're, we're we're fine. Nothing There's bad's a chance happening.
1: we might have to put you on the bridge and you have to say you're the child captain. It's yes. weird, but like it's just shit we got to deal we
0: with. We got a whole lamplight from Fallout New Vegas thing we yeah, got to deal you go. with. You know? like
1: that was actually uh, Terra Nova. So uh, things going along pretty swimmingly, speaking of which, we have a awkward scene where apparently Archer and T'Pol are sleeping across, literally across the hall from each other. And Archer's bothering her with his water polo bullshit where we find out he can't just watch TV with keeping his mouth shut. And then she's like, yeah, you're bothering me slightly. And then he goes to bed and then she's tapping away on her iPad and everybody's just watching this. Like she could just turn the volume down. Cause like we all have iPads and we know how this shit works. But then she's like, oh, am I bothering you? And he's like, yeah, just a little bit. And basically uses it an opportunity to say, listen, we're all of each other's ass here. This is a great opportunity for you to get out and socialize with the crew. And she's like, well, what I wanted her to say was, hey, remember how humans stink and now you guys don't have showers <laughs> and you're basically in a uh, subway tunnel stink box slash sweat box. So, no, I don't want to go. You you guys stink enough up here. I don't need to smell everybody else's BO plus whatever cooked face hugger is back there. You've been back there. It's
0: basically a game of Metro is breaking out. They're about to turn AK-47 bullets into currency. Yeah. I don't want to <laughs> go out there. I don't want to smell that. I, I'm already stuck in here with you, Ensign Mc, McChadface, and your dog.
1: <laughs> like, yeah, I'm stuck in with enough. you, your dog, and Mayweather doesn't even have his shirt off, popping those guns out. I
0: don't even get that. You want me to go back there in the hobo village? That's going to be a fat no. That would
1: have been that. That would have been good if they if it was still hot and uncomfortable, and they that would have been a great time just to have Mayweather in a, a undershirt just for fun. This
0: this was a clear
1: opportunity to have this
0: man's shirt off that they did not take, and that is that is a crime. That's yep. a crime. Every that is the time. absence
1: of the feminine voice that Voyager had. So shame on you, Phyllis strong for not getting that in there. Although that might've taken some Lisa kink to get rolling. <laughs> I don't know. Once you
0: see what he looks like with his shirt off. I mean, I think everyone knows that has to, that has to happen as much as possible.
1: Maybe Bakula came back and said, listen, um, this guy keeps his shirt on or I'm walking. <laughs>
0: It's <laughs> like the rest of the rest of the crew is like we are too emasculate. All of us are living in the gym. We're in the best shape of our lives, mm-hmm. and all of us put together are nothing compared to this man. This is not. This is not fair. This is he's not equitable. Bullied this up. Is not equity.
1: He's bullied the the muscle milk from muscle milk real quick before you think it's uh, something out of Sola uh, is a weight gain supplement shown in many U.S. gyms. He's he's bullied the muscle milk up. God, there's no way to say that right. Uh, she goes, hey, listen. I'm not skilled at fraternizing and I was afraid for a moment there that we're going to fall back into the doctor seven of nine trope where I'm going to give you uh, social lessons and, you know, you're going to learn to not be a robot lady and you can fall in love with fucking Chakotay in the romance that nobody ever asked for. Uh, But luckily, they don't go too deep in that. And by the end, she will have branched out a little bit. Yeah, but they they show
0: her making an effort to follow through. There's not really like much else that happens in this episode about
1: it, but they do show like a completion in this thought, which is she does. She goes to movie night. I like the poker games. Just a quick bit of continuity reads auntie to to drive the pot up is pineapple cobbler. And I thought that was neat that they remembered that he actually likes pineapple. And then,
0: oh, she only has broccoli
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: to call with. But they allow it. They allow it. Given the circumstances. Chef
1: coming down and handing out pot roast for the third time that week or whatever. I love that chef is like the fucking teacher from Muppet babies where you don't see the face. (laughs) It's just the shoes in his hands. It's just this faceless guy. I guess they couldn't afford Steven Seagal or whatever for that scene. So they just got to keep you wondering. They, they, they managed to keep the secret of what chef looks like until the
0: last episode. Really? Yeah. So they, they do a good job of protecting this
1: as a bit. Is it going to be um, Clint Howard?
0: The last episode of Star Trek Enterprise is something that we might talk about for three hours. <laughs> it's a Jonathan Frakes. <laughs> I, it's like there's so much to take apart when it comes to the
1: choices made in the final episode of Enterprise. So here's what's interesting. This is about a page of notes for me. I had so much fun and enjoyment with this episode. And they didn't even really get to the real plot yet. So. Yeah. What happens is uh, they are living their life in this cramped. um, And again, like take all the other fucking episodes. This has been a better episode up to this point than the rest of the fucking season. And it's especially makes me mad with vanishing point that you can have these little bullshit slice of life episodes and they're good. The writing, this writing team maybe specifically can handle it. Whereas like Braga and uh, Berman wouldn't be able to, but like, this stuff is plausible as a standalone episode with no clear antagonist. It's just humans dealing with the perils of space. It works, but they do it, go with it's,
0: it. It's, it's much like Vanishing Point in that is not only an opportunity for a slice of life that we really want out of the show where it shines, but it's also a very Star Trek specific plot. Like there's really baked in some details. You really could only effectively do in star Trek in terms of sci-fi it's the way that the whole explorer element works being confined to a single part of the ship like you don't see that as a battle circle getting a episode. toilet
1: but not getting a shower
0: yeah like this is this is a very trek episode and this is a very good counterpoint to to vanishing point in that it's that concept but executed well with an internal extent antagonist with like a like a build to a more exciting Act Three, you still did all of those things that you always feel like you have to do, or it's too boring, and it ends up positive overall. Anyway, <sighs> that plot starts to break out because it seems like the engines are starting to restart, which is I love not this. good. They're because, like, uh, hey,
1: uh, Trip, this is about the time that we find out that Alien uh, Skeevy Ponytails, Vlad Goldblum had a ponytail. <sighs> You're right. He did, but I guess like
0: that was called for because he was skeevy.
1: He was skeevy. Well, these guys are skeevy.
0: He's skee- also European, and I
1: think that, that might be just you have to be allowed to have one. True. So uh, he's yelling at them about cooking a face hugger in a frying pan over some sort of explosive part of the ship. Oh, hey, real quick side note. Important part about these uh, nacelle uh, catwalks they're in. Uh, they had to turn the warp core off because when the warp core is on. This thing is like an incineration chamber. So not good for human life. They could say, trip, get over here. We get come over to the makeshift bridge. Yeah, take it, pull up a pull up that milk crate over here and take a look. It looks like the warp core, some part of the warp core is trying to turn itself back on. He's like, that's impossible. That must be a, a bad sensor reading. they go, Nope, now another part's up. And he's like, That cannot be. That is physically impossible. And someone's going to have to go check it out, which at first I thought was going to be like, oh, someone's going to have to get radiation sickness. Like, are they going to draw straws? Is that going to be like the dark turn that someone's going to have to fucking this is going to be the first death on Enterprise. But I forgot about the EV suits. you even show
0: you they even show a quick shot during the montage of them taking one. So, you know, established.
1: They god the level of detail in this episode is just unpro- like,
0: yeah, explaining like they're they the criticisms that. away. They established EV suits were brought with a like two second sh- scene of someone taking one. All I need. And so Trip goes down. He's told he's got 22 minutes before his protection fades from the EV suit. He needs to be back by then. And as he solid snakes his way through the ship to see what's going on, he discovers some real like solid Delta Quadrant level space Jack booty motherfuckers on the ship. These dudes were, they had the black standing collars, you know, like that's how that is the universal marker of space fascism.
1: Mm-hmm. And they are, they got the it. boots. They got the uh, middle-aged white guy haircuts with some gel in it. He gets up on, I don't know, the, the fuse box, the space fuse box. And we, this is the one where they put the camera inside and there's like a rolling door that goes up and down. Mm-hmm. It's cool. They've used this shop before. I appreciate it. Um, he's in there and he sees like that, that garage door is pulled back down and there's shit all over the place. So you're like, clearly someone is fucking with this thing. This is not a software malfunction. This is not yeah. space monster. Someone is doing something here. And then he sees flashlights coming in instantly. I'm like, well, clearly this is Ed Norton's boss and, and skeevy ponytail guy. And that's the con here is that these guys are stealing wart plasma or something else. This is the secret agenda that they have and they've been sneaking off and it's not we we see these these space army guys and then it's like okay well they're not in space suits. So now it's got me questioning everything. And it's still not clear crystal clear if these are the bad guys or if these are bad guys or if the ponytail trio the ponytail coterie if they're bad guys. And maybe there's still something goofy at play. Is this Neutronic storm actually dangerous to humans? Or is this part of a long con of we're going to get the whole crew in this hideaway tube? It's so rare in Enterprise for me not to know which way a script is going to go and it not to be the most obvious fucking thing in the world. Yeah, they pick a different lane here
0: uh, at kind of every one of those decision points and make a point of convincing you through some implications that these three random guest stars are clearly going to be the bad guys. So they play with the trope, as you already pointed out. And then even when it's time to execute on what the plot twist is, they don't pick the most obvious option for the twist. Because what happens is trip comes back and they're in the middle. They in media resident, an interrogation of the trio, which is an interestingly shot because it's on the catwalk and they're under and like the whole crew's watching. Right. Can't get away from the crowd. Usually the stuff is it, it just with senior officers or just with two or three people. So you got everyone's watching the interrogation as Archer is, you know, there's two dudes with rifles. I don't have any way to restrain him. Now, you here's know? the
1: interesting thing, Joe, is. Uh, yeah, he's got guys with guns surrounding him. They didn't clear the entire nacelle and just put a table and chair there. And then have to Paul walk out like suddenly she's a space judge that nobody would know.
0: <laughs> it's like they wrote this like, episode as a specific fuck you to the one that we just saw. It's like, where did
1: Archer all of a sudden get this advanced degree in common sense interrogations that he's not pulling the stupidest fucking lie possible to try and con uh a poorly conceived villain into a ridiculous conclusion? It was just so striking to see. So like, hey, cough it up. What the fuck's going on there? And then they come clean and they say, "Well, listen, yeah, we we lied to you." Um those dudes, however, are bad guys. Those are some space Nazis. We used to roll with them. Uh we found out they're not actually like the militia dudes we thought they they would be. It's more like they're um space pirates, pirates with <laughs> access to a laundromat. <laughs> And uh, they are here to steal your ship. And normally they would steal a ship and also kill everybody aboard. So we ran away. We tried to resign our posts and they said no. And then we ran away. And yeah, they're probably here looking for us. And we're sorry that you got wrapped up in this. Meanwhile, in the ship. Oh, also, we established that this alien race of skeevy ponytail people is immune to the space radiation. Right. And that's why they don't have suits and. that's why we get to see them in their jackboots. Uh, we also see that even though Tuvok is not at all involved with this episode, there is no sort of cybersecurity whatsoever. None of the doors are locked, including the fucking exterior door of enterprise, which we were told they polarize their whole, like, why would we need to lock the outside door? We live out in a cabin in the woods. Who, who would ever come out here and fuck with us? There's no passwords on the computer. Uh, leader Hitler guy is this dude this this dude is fucking for real so when they
0: show all of the Jack Booty dudes they eventually cut to the Jack Booty dude captain Captain Nazi in Archer's ready room going through his personnel files They shoot this guy in deep shadow and his voice is so perfect for this role. It's insane. The actor is Danny Goldring. He is a worker. This dude was all over television from basically the, you know, 1980s, 1970s all the way through the 2000s. Holy
1: shit. This guy literally was a Nazi. He played Carr in Voyager the Killing Game.
0: Yeah, he was the head Herogian. Is he common sense Herogian that like sees the light? He's the leader who's like, we need to do something other than hunt everyone, and ultimately tries to make the deal with uh, Janeway, but dies. But Janeway still gives him the tech. God, the that was such board. a good yeah.
1: fake out. I loved Worst World.
0: <laughs> it's, it's, uh, we didn't, I don't think we were, uh, when we reviewed the killing game, Worst World, we, I, I don't think we praised it enough, you know, I like, didn't know. We, Cause I didn't know
1: what was going to happen in season sucks.
0: Yeah. Like we reviewed it and we were like, it was good, but I, I think we like nitpicked it a lot. I think we were fat on the, the, the land at that point. We Mm -hmm. were so used to good Voyager. We didn't, we didn't know we needed to appreciate a Well executed cinematic two-parter that way.
1: I never knew about virtuoso. It's like you get into the
0: dregs and you're like, Oh, remember when the Hirogen were Nazis and the
1: show was fun. (laughs) This dude, if you would close your eyes, I I had to stop a couple times and look and I'm like, is that Michael Ironsides in a wig? Like this dude straight up has that fucking like Rico get in line. (laughs) He just nails it. He's like almost. You know uh, what you have to do. It's like very
0: much like your assignment is your evil space captain. And he's like, I know exactly what you want me to do. Here it is. Evil space captain. Do this
1: oh and you need an evil space captain on a star trek network tv budget old danny goldring's your guy to go to
0: yeah sure. so old danny goldring is definitely going to
1: fucking take the ship exactly the way it's described he's watching all the archers logs there's no passwords on any of this stuff he knows he knows the crew. this guy not only is an evil captain he's a competent evil captain
0: yes he does not execute his underlings for
1: failing him. He t- informs them that they must now work harder on his behalf. Yes. And if you continue to fail me, then we will go back to Planet, I'm sorry, to Camp Warhammer. Well, I will use our state-of-the-art hanging or gallows to to hang to you. So, yeah, the ship is effectively under siege now. And unfortunately, like I said, we didn't show the chef's face, so it couldn't actually turn out to be Steven Seagal. He cannot go through slowly. If only he was people. here to do slow Kung Fu on the behalf of enterprise it would be just enough keto. Maybe I don't, <laughs> there's so much good Steven Seagal hate on YouTube.
0: Start oh, yeah. looking at some
1: of these parody videos there. It's a gold mine. It is a fucking gold mine of people having a laugh at Steven Seagal's experience.
0: Ra- Ralph, the movie maker is a channel on YouTube that like watched the, the Steven Seagal filmography from this, this era of him. Mm-hmm. and and like tried to put the story together <laughs> you know like <laughs> that he is like the favorite movie star of
1: himself tri-
0: of trillionaire east eastern European you know
1: criminals mm-hmm. that's oh. why, and that's why this is happening <laughs> that's a good group to bank really they'll always make sure that there's a non-connective completely unnecessary sex scene to to seal the deal uh there's uh not Uh, Again, this is a great episode. There's a lot of shit that still has to happen. And, um, you know, it can be summarized by Trip Gets Back. uh, They interrogate these guys. They find out that they're probably telling the truth. And, well, how are we going to how are we going to fix this? Uh, Evil Nazis don't know that the crew is on board because they're in a heavily shielded compartment. They're trying to reignite the warp engine so they can effectively salvage the ship. Uh, and unfortunately for the crew of enterprise, they don't really have a lot of time to figure out the best plan possible because they reignite the warp core. And now they've got 20 minutes before the heating elements lining this corridor get super hot and cook everybody to death.
0: Right. They put the ticking clock in. It is a going to be a team kill (laughs) if they don't pull this off. It's going to kill everybody. So pretty firm good stakes for the circumstance you know you don't want to pull this card too often of like we're all going to die. The this this is good. Good use of that. And the the plan is not exactly complex. It's cause a distraction while Tapal and Archer because Reed. Reed gets into the firefight in the galley, I believe.
1: No, I thought Archer gets in the fire. Oh, that's right. Galley. Cause You're Archer right. gets Art, out. Ar- Archer is uh, the
0: one that sends the message to distract them to come fight him in the galley. And it's Reed and T'Pol that are the ones fixing the warp core.
1: That's Archer it. hits him with some diplomacy saying, Oh, you know what? Also jumping back as I'm criticizing Archer's interrogation. At no point did he encourage them to beat him about the face, head, and neck area either. This no. is very atypical Archer. I would say overall, this is, might be the best portrayal of Jonathan Archer that I've seen in a long time.
0: Yeah, I can't remember the next best one in terms of him being a competent captain of the Starship
1: Enterprise. So he goes back into the subroutine, which I did criticize a little bit that like Archer's zany lie saves the day. But he gets a, uh, he gets a, sends a communication out saying, You're sitting in my chair. Get off my ship. I know you're space pirates. Uh, evil Nazis like, Well, actually, we're the law in this part of town and uh, you're harboring fugitives. So not only am I taking your ship, but I'm also bringing you back and you're going to be executed for war crimes for <laughs> fucking helping these dudes out. Archer had lied, of course, saying the rest of the sh- crew had already died from uh, radiation poisoning. And he goes, Well, Uh, If you don't get off the ship, I'm going to have it destroyed. And then uh, Space Nazi's like, dude, I've been reading your Wikipedia page. I I know all the fucking shit in your memory. Alpha, your dad designed this thing. It's a big deal. I'm going to call your bluff. You ain't blowing the ship up. It's great. Again, competent,
0: evil space captain. This is the guy. Like, he doesn't actually make a wrong decision on this, except for, you know, refusing to give up. for the first three times, I guess, but they still get away. But so here, there's really no, yeah.
1: That had that, yeah. He doesn't take get a W, but it doesn't really take an L. You know, like he gave but, it the old college try. He did. Uh, they pinpoint where that broadcast came from. So Archer was initially the distraction. It was to Paul. The trip couldn't go back out because Trip uh, already had some radiation exposure. There's a little Chernobyl in play here. It must have been Reed then, right? It's it was not Reed. Mayweather. Yeah, we was weird. flying the ship. Another then, good Mayweather moment is that uh, he starts to
0: steer the ship into a, a big old subspace tornado that is going to be bad news if they hit it. Yeah, this is where you get probably the best effects because there's a shot like once they finally decide to abandon ship. and This episode, by the way, even has a passable gunfight, which is which is a real shocker. <laughs> The bad guys 20. show up,
1: they see uh, uh, Archer, they start shooting. Archer's in this big clunky fucking space suit, and there's like pew, 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 pew. There's a real dramatic shot, which should have been another crew member getting shot and dying, like, oh, instead it's a slow motion shot of a piece of cabbage getting winged and like exploding. Yeah, like a roast
0: explodes or whatever. It's it's the most kinetic a gunfight in this fucking
1: show has been <laughs> in fucking months, and so they do that We're and- the mess all up real, real so the, the pantry mess hall whatever like this thing's getting rocked shit's falling all over the place and all i'm thinking every Chef's time gonna be- he's so pissed when he goes back in here every time the ship like it gets into turbulence like this has to happen over and over again chef is a lunatic <laughs> if he just keeps his stuff hanging all else. he's maybe he's a sadist and like whoever his little uh Bitch cabin boy is like he enjoys making this guy clean the mess up. Like,
0: oh, every chef, time this turbulence, you gotta get all my ladles off the ground. Oh, chef, them can't
1: them. we like lock these things down or get magnets? No, we're gonna use the hooks, but the gravity keeps going out. <laughs> chef, clean them up. It's it's actually chef is Danny Goldring and he's like evil <laughs> Nazi captain, but he's a chef. I said clean them up <laughs> and the and and
0: the effect shot that I was trying to get to is the ship detaches when they give up and rolls over the top of enterprise and then fucks off. And it's all done in this, you know, in this background of them going towards this eddy. everything is very well detailed. Great shot. Fantastic. A better than I would expect at the time,
1: you know, or expect for episode 12. Yeah. Episode 1 sure end of episode end of the the season sure but like for a mid-season compilation this is really good. Uh finally they can't wrestle the control away from uh Helm because for the first time ever they weren't able to reroute ship back to the bridge. Mayweather's got him on this uh suicide course because what we are seeing here right now, Joe. And this will be the episode title for this is the first Janeway. <laughs> <laughs> the first time a Starfleet captain said, it's my way or I'm going to blow this motherfucker up. To pull the Janeway.
0: To threaten to destroy oneself as a way to achieve one's aims.
1: Yeah. It's it's my way or the Janeway. Like it or get the fuck out of here. So, yeah. Finally, the one of the sub, sub commander common sense who's like, we need to get the fuck out of here. Th- this is also all the militia guys. Look one way, and then you've got the skeevy, schlubby ponytails guys. And even in my notes, I'm like, Militia all looks like fucking Ivan Dragos.
0: (laughs) They are all cut men with gray haircuts that look like they've been Marines for exactly 87 years.
1: Versus three guys who look like they're the fucking comic book guys from The Simpsons. Yes, one literally. (laughs) So, uh,. Yeah, very clear that the, the, the good guys, the good aliens. I think they should have been pretty clear early on that they were not cut from the same cloth as these bad guys. Finally, like, all right, you know what? Uh, we know how the story ends. We're going to get back to our ship. We're going to fuck off. I was again, I was half expecting their ship to get like blown up or something. Oh, yeah. But now they get away and go and off to terrorize other people.
0: Mayweather has a great moment where he keeps telling to Paul, like I have to stop steering into this thing. <laughs> like, no, seriously, seriously, we're gonna die if I keep doing this. I need to, I need to cut off now. We need to leave. We we did our best. It's time to bail out. And To Paul's like, no, no, we haven't heard yet. And then fucking Archer comes across the con. and He's like, Mayweather, the fuck are you doing? Spear <laughs> off, you're off. Don't Thelma and Louisa's!
1: They're gone. They left already.
0: <laughs> Get it the fuck away from that thing.
1: Turns out T'Pol's got a bad case of the Jane waste too, and she just wants the ship to blow up also. But <laughs> the other space radiation from Singularity that made the human crew crazy didn't affect uh, the Vulcans. And what nobody knew is this entire time, the radiation's been affecting the Vulcan, and now she's crazy and suicidal. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it's the reverse. <laughs> For that <laughs> last-minute plot, it's like, oh, the real bad guy, it turns out, is actually T'Pol.
0: But Mayweather does that pilot shit and manages to prevent them from getting blown up. And uh, they they don't end the episode quite yet. They've no. defeated the space hazard, but that's when they do the scene where they're all, you know, okay, we, we escaped certain death. You've got that high of adrenaline. And now it's like,
1: ooh, let's all watch a Western. It's actually an episode of Kung Fu, according to good old memory alpha. They watch someone get shot. They're like, why did why'd the sheriff shoot his own man? And then- uh chapal rubs her balls all over his face and is like well, didn't you know that he's actually a bad guy and they're like hmm and then there's a cool follow-up after that which is trip coming over and saying hey really happy you hung out with us that was cool you should do that more we watch crappy movies all the time
0: yeah and it was just a nice quiet like character building moment for everyone involved for to paul obviously having accepted Archer's advice that she actually participated in it in good faith and then trip reached out to her to say hey listen Why don't you join us more often? We like you. We would like to spend time with you.
1: It was refreshing, especially in light of Seven of Nine becoming a a real girl, to see her, again, put a good faith effort that was competently executed instead of her just butting her head against a wall. Like, I cannot human. Yeah. Does not compute. This is a natural kind of piece of delicate character
0: growth. Some some, uh, finesse.
1: And uh, they all leave and they're like, cool. And I-, I wanted to see more people like, geez, I need to take a shower. And I look like I've been living in a tube for a week, but. There's a little bit of like, you know, let's just get
0: there. They're all relieved. I'll going back to their quarters. All the water will be
1: used in the next five minutes. I, that's my first thing was like, man, that fucking boiler better be ready to go.
0: <laughs> it's going to come out like a whipped dog later. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then they, they do cut loose the ponytail gang. They're Like, all right, well, that was over. It's like, what are you guys gonna do? Ah, oh, we're gonna go to this system. I'm sure we'll be safe. Archer says, "Good luck." <laughs> I'm like, we've done enough. And they, there's they,
1: a cool thread that runs through the episode because Trip does do a considerable amount of like complaining about them. And in the end, you're kind of like, these guys suck. Like they totally just brought the space Nazis down on them. But as Archer points out, like we would have been caught with our pants down. That's str- like they saved everybody's life. So. Um, we're not going to throw them in the brig and or our airlock, which apparently is a place we put people we don't like <laughs> that we've interrogated to varying degrees. But also, hey, yeah, they saved our life. So see you later. So we've we've had this this
0: uplifting experience. We've we've been taken from the bottom we've been <laughs> up just at least a little bit.
1: Oh, no, I, we, that's, I'm, I'm calling this one a great one. This I, I really enjoyed this in term in the scope of Enterprise. So what are we watching next week? We're going with uh season two, episode 13, Dawn. We see Trip. God, this memory alpha picture is not doing him any. This looks like me sitting with my shirt off. <laughs> Suck it in, man. What are you doing? And there's what looked like a corpse laying behind him. But maybe that's some sort of a cantaloupe monster. Uh Wally no here we go this is straight out of the pages of voyager uh while in a shuttle pod performing tests tucker's attacked by hostile aliens and forced to crash land on a desolate moon Look directed by roxanne dawson Ah, oh, you noticed Is <laughs> anybody who knows how to deal with a crashed shuttle pod episode it's a voyager <laughs> alumni
0: <laughs> it's, that's who you gotta give it to
1: that's who you gotta give it to uh and also again we've got trip with his shirt off so the sexy roxanne rearing her head again
0: And uh, join Peter, myself, and of course, Sexy Roxanne Mm. for for more Vigre Please next week. See you then.
1: Decide.